Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for your retirement elevated. You're going to be really glad you joined us for today's podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Dugan. He is the co-founder and managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group, serving you in the Kansas City metro area and clients all across the country as well. And here on the Your Retirement Elevated podcast, we love finding out more about how we can better prepare for not only our financial futures, but retirement and beyond. And we tap into Scott's more than 18 years of experience in this world to try and not only pick up some of the great things that he's learned about planning for your financial future along the way, but also from just the great stories that he's gathered from clients and then through his own experience throughout the years as well. We always enjoy these conversations. By the way, you can find us on listentoscott.com, your place to go to listen to all the past podcasts, or subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you can go and find podcasts. And Scott, before we dive into the meat and potatoes of today, hope you're doing well and great to have you back with us on the podcast. Glad to be here, Walter. Well, looking forward to this because I'm going to give you a little peek behind the curtain, folks, of what normally happens here on the podcast. Normally, Scott and I will kind of combine on, you know, what we're going to decide to talk about. So we'll kind of come up with some topic ideas. We'll kind of flesh out, you know, the right way to steer the ship so that we can kind of cover all the necessary bullet points, all those kinds of things. But we threw that model out the window for today's podcast. Scott simply sent me an email that says... Today's podcast, Holiday Ham and Running Out of Money. And that's all he gave me. And so (laughs) I don't know where you're going to take this, Scott, but I have a feeling it's going to have a story involved with the way you've kind of teed this thing up. So tell us about the Holiday Ham. I'd love to. So I've been married for 10 years. I can be actually 10 years next month and got married late in life. And one of the great things about being a bachelor for so long is I learned how to cook. I get pretty proficient at it. That's probably what helped you then eventually land the lady, right? (laughs) Absolutely. It does not help to be a Renaissance man. And so it was probably our third year of marriage and we're having the holiday festivities at our house. And I love to cook. My wife loves to cook. So we're in the kitchen together, and it's going to be my job to cook the ham, you know, cook the holiday ham. And so I get the ham ready to go, put the pan out, cut the ends off of it, put it in the pan, get ready to put into the oven. My wife comes over, she goes, huh, that's interesting. I said, well, what do you mean? So why did you cut the ends off the ham? I said, well... I don't know. My my mom was a great cook, and I spent all the time in the kitchen with her. You know, that's what she did. And she goes, "Well, why did she do it?" I said, "You know, I, I have no idea." <laughs> I'm not going to question mom's methods. No, not not at all, not at all. And so I said, "Well, you know, my family's going to be here later. My mom and dad, and you know, my grandfather. He's 94. So we'll ask them when they get there." So a few hours later, we're sitting around in the kitchen. I said, "Got a question for you." I said, "Do you remember?" You know, talking to my mom and my dad were sitting there. I said. You remember, you know, we'd cook the ham, you, you cut the ends off of it. He goes, yeah. I said, well, grandma did that, right? I said, yeah, she did it. So why did she do it? I'm like, well, I, mean, I don't know. We never really thought about it. So we go in and ask my grandfather. He's sitting in the TV room watching TV. I said, hey, do you remember, you know, grandma, make, she used to cook the ham and she used to cut the ends off of it. I said, do you know why she did that? And he kind of thinks for a minute, and he's kind of mischievous anyway, my grandfather is. And he starts laughing. He goes, yeah, I remember why. I said, how come? He goes, because we didn't have a big enough pan to fit it in. <laughs> and that's why. And then yeah. It was that simple. <laughs> yeah. And so 
here I was. I've got a pan big enough to fit the ham in, but I'm still cutting the ends of it off. And so here's the moral of that story. Wait, wait, hold on. I have to know oh. before you go to the moral. Are, yeah. you, are you still cutting the ends off of the ham just because, or have you adapted now? We've adapted. Oh, okay. Now that I know <laughs> why, you know, and I'm always fascinated with why we do things, because a lot of the times, you know, like a lot of us, we just do things because our parents or our grandparents did them. Yeah. You were expecting there to be some reason like, oh, it retains the juice better or mm-hmm. crisps the edges or it oh, yeah. overcooks the edges if you leave them on there or something like yeah, that. Yeah, some fantastic thing. <laughs> nope. They were just... You didn't have enough money for a big enough pan, and they just chopped the ends off. Yeah, so, uh, so, so again, you know, we all do things, and especially in the world of financial planning, retirement planning, you know, we just do things because that's what we've been exposed to. And I always think about or ask myself the question: Is there a better way? Whether it's cooking in the kitchen, taking care of your home, or taking care of your finances, or planning for your financial future. I think we all need to ask our question, you know, is there a better way? And like a lot of us, when there's quiet times, we're alone with our thoughts, the things that we think about are, are we going to have enough money to retire? You know, have we done all the things we can to prepare for a long, long retirement? Those are, I think, those are the biggest concerns for people. Do we have enough money? And are we going to have enough money to last us as long as we live? And those are pretty fundamental, important questions, I think, in today's world. Yeah. So to kind of draw this story of the holiday ham and running out of money in retirement, obviously the link that you've drawn here, what are some of those financial things, those financial elements that tend to fall into this category of we do it because that's the way our parents did. And your story has reminded me of, if I can share kind of a funny one here as well. Sure. You know, I grew up in North Carolina, but I did not grow up in a family of Southerners. So my parents were both from New Jersey, born and raised. They actually met in North Carolina. So I kind of grew up with this, you know, Northern home influence, but, you know, everybody at school, very Southern and kind of that North Carolina twang here and there. So I kind of ended up with this sort of balanced out voice. But in any event, dad picked up this thing, I guess, where he would say alls, A-L-L-S, like alls you have to do is this rather than (laughs) all you have to do. He would say alls all the time. And it just worked its way into my vocabulary. And I used it my entire life, never thought twice about it, never even thought like that's incorrect. Now, he would never say y'all. He was not a y'all by any means because he would die if he said y'all because he is not Southern. But for some reason, alls slipped into his vocabulary at some point in time. And maybe somehow that's a Northern thing. I don't know. But I'll never forget there was this girl in high school who was maybe like, you know, five foot flat, maybe even a little less than that. Just, you know, this tiny little thing, the sweetest, really good friend, but super country. And she just looked at me one day and said, Walter, I just got to tell you this. Quit saying alls because you sound like a country bumpkin every time it comes out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought I was like, what's wrong with alls? I don't what. And then I thought about it. I was like, I guess that isn't a word. I've just always said it. It's always what dad said. And a fantastic Southern voice there. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, Walter, here's an example of a holiday ham type of scenario when it comes to financial planning. And it's called the 4% withdrawal rule. And the basic premise is as long as you have the correct mix of the amount of money in market 
and some money in fixed income or bonds, things like that, that you could draw 4% per year as long as you live and you're not going to run out of money. I know a lot of you have heard that rule brought about by a man named William Benjamin. He was a CFP, did this in the late 90s. Him this landmark study that's taught in a lot of places. I was taught it when I got into the business almost 18 years ago. But here's the premise of that. They said, long as you take out 4%, so on a million dollars, let's say, you could take out $40,000 per year, and you'd have a very high probability of never running out of money. Well, let's look at what the data was used at that time frame. Let's think about the 80s and 90s. Were those good years in the stock market? For the most part, yes. Mm-hmm. And so looking back, I did research their data. And for money that was in equities or in the market, he used an average, a little over 8% per year was the average rate of return he used in his models. And for the fixed income side, you know, the bond side, he was using a rate of 6% for bond yields. Now, anybody listening to this, can we get a 6% bond yield today? Yeah, where can I get one of those? <laughs> we would stand in line to get that. So let's say if we had 50% of our money in equities and 50% in our bonds, part earn eight, the other part earning six, and we take out four, life is good. Nothing happens. You know, we end up with money at the end of our lives. Well, where are we today? We're in a little different situation. In Morningstar, and a gentleman named Wade Fow, Dr. Wade Fow, went through this data and they went through and updated it for today's economic conditions. And what we found out was a little bit different than the previous research. And so what Wade Fow looked at and said, if we're going to have a mix of equities and fixed income, And if we are overexposed to market risk, he said, if we are going to have, let's say, a 60-40, so 60% in the market and 40% in fixed income, that now our safe withdrawal rate drops down closer to 2%. That's a significant drop. Yeah. So remember our $1 million, we could take out $40,000 a year for as long as we live? Well, let's drop that down to, it's actually 1.9 is the number. So 19,000. So can anybody imagine only spending $19,000 from their million dollars of retirement savings? Mm. Yeah, that's a tough call to make. And so there's an example of research that was done in the 90s at a certain economic period of time. It has been updated. It was updated three years ago. It's widely published. You can do a search. It's found very easily. But the matter of fact is it's still being taught to stockbrokers and financial advisors out there as the 4% withdrawal rule. Quick and easy way to make sure you don't run out of money. But the data is blatant. The data is clear. Those numbers just don't work. Now, I'm not against the stock market at all. I'm just a proponent for proper asset allocation and building income plans that are predictable and consistent and able to produce those cash flows that people need so dearly in retirement. So that's really what I want to stress is make sure that the data you're using, the decision-making process you're using is up to date. There's no missing information, missing facts, and make sure that we're making decisions based on facts and logic, not emotion. 
so a couple of things to unpack here before we wrap up the podcast for today. I guess I've got two questions. First of all, just so I'm clear, you're saying the higher this assumed withdrawal rate becomes. So if we go from 2% to 3% to 4% or higher, then the higher the chances of that plan failing become or the higher the chances of running out of money become? Yeah, so the longer life expectancy you have, the more of your money that you spend on a consistent basis, if you're overexposed and have too much stock market risk or too much market risk, that it becomes a higher and higher probability that some people will run out of money. Okay, makes sense. And then last follow-up would be, if we're talking about this withdrawal rate, we have these scenarios that you're kind of drawing here, failure rates of financial plans, depending on how many stocks you have and then how often that failure rate becomes. But if somebody is wanting to put together a financial plan, Scott, and they start hearing, okay, you have this amount of chance of failing with your financial plan, what if somebody wants that chance to be zero? You know, I mean, that that's why I want to come and work with the financial advisors to take this risk of outliving my money out of the equation. So how do you guys go about not following this old approach of the way our grandparents did it, if you will, to use the ham analogy? How do you guys do it a little bit differently to tweak it to modern day so that we can take out some of that uncertainty? Well, in modern day planning, really there's going to be three types of individuals, three types of families that we deal with. They're going to be broken into three categories. The first one is going to look at the stock market and be very comfortable with the fluctuation of the value of it on a day-to-day, year-to-year basis. And they know they can withdraw money. So in good years, guess what? They can withdraw the amount of money they need or maybe a little extra. But they also have the discipline in really bad years to pull back and not spend as much. So if we're going to kind of use that old model, we've got to have the ability to tighten our belt, so to say, depending on the market conditions. There's other folks that are very conservative and they want almost like a personal pension. So if they need fifteen hundred dollars a month to make their whole world go around they add that their two social security checks that makes their life work then you're going to need to look at instruments that are going to deliver a guaranteed cash flow and for other people they're going to be somewhere in the middle they're going to say hey we've got a two thousand dollar a month income gap meaning that's what they've got to pull from their savings to make their whole financial world go around they're going to say you know what I want part of that, he'll say half of it guaranteed, and the other half will be variable. I'll take that from market resources. And so I think it starts with clearly understanding how you feel about risk, meaning the fluctuation of value of your money, and how dependable and predictable you want your cash flow to be in retirement. Once you can answer those two questions, then you can explore what are the options that are out there that are tried and true that will help you navigate through retirement and let you spend confidently. Well, it's all helpful information, Scott, and appreciate you kind of walking us through this today. And also really appreciate your story about the ham. And I'm curious, do you feel guilty about wasting all of that ham over the years? Well, truth be known, that was just cooked and eaten before everyone else got there. So we, 
it had a little pan we put it into, and, and that was our little snack. Oh, so, so it didn't go to waste. It, okay. it did not go to waste for sure. <laughs> too funny, too funny. Well, if you're hearing the podcast today and you're kind of thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm doing things like the ham. I'm doing things just because that's the way that I saw it done in the past, whether it be from a family member or somebody you know, and you're ready to get a little bit further in depth with your financial plan and your financial situation and get some more solid financial plans in place as you go forward and make sure you're not cutting off the ends of the ham when you don't really have to. You're looking for that kind of knowledge and expertise. Scott Dugan and his team can certainly help you with that. Whether you're in the Kansas City metro area or anywhere in the country, they do have clients all over the U.S. They can work with you remotely and digitally if that's what you desire. 913-393-4724 is the number to call to get in touch directly with Scott. 913-393-4724. Always online as well at listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com. You can listen to past podcast episodes. Check out the blog and more information there as well. Listentoscott.com. Well, Scott, greatly appreciate all the help, and we'll look forward to talking to you on the next podcast. Looking forward to it, Walter. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks so much. That's Scott Dugan. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.